vehicles in the Masai Mara. This is the Wild Eye Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from Wild Eye. I'm in the office for about three and a half weeks before I travel again, so I'm gonna try and punch out quite a few episodes. I already have quite a few good ideas and topics after speaking to the guys in the office, after chatting to some of the uh, guests that was on safari with me the last few weeks. But if you have any ideas or topics you would like us to dig into, please get in touch. Jerry van der Vault on all the major social media platforms or jerry at wildeye.com. Uh, if you have any ideas, suggestions of or questions or things you want us to dig into, people you want me to talk to, whatever the case is, I always love hearing from you. It's like oxygen. I mean, the more engagement we get, the more we want to do. It's a very cool thing. Anyway, so I am going to just talk a little bit in this episode about vehicles in the Masamara. Now, I'm not talking about the amount of vehicles or how it's managed or how it influences sighting. Those are all discussions for another time. Uh, there are some developments from a tourism point of view in the Masamara and most of the reserves in Kenya uh, with regards to how government and KWS and them are trying to manage all of that. But I will dig into that in due course. I'll probably have a chat to Jono once we get all the final confirmation of this. What I wanted to touch on, though, is the type of vehicles that we use in the Masamara. I'm speaking specifically the Wild Eye vehicles. Now, just before I go into this, if you have been on safari in South Africa or Southern Africa, right, versus East Africa, such as Kenya or Tanzania, you will notice that the majority of the vehicles in these two destinations are different. In South Africa and Southern Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Zambia, most of the vehicles there consist of a modified, normally a Land Cruiser, sometimes a Hilux, and some of the lodges still use the Defenders, but they're not being made anymore, so that's a bit of a problem. So most of the time it's a Land Cruiser, which is converted. It's a pickup, which they, they chop the roof off, and then on the, on, the, on the flatbed on the back, if you will, they put three rows of three. So just behind the driver, there's three seats. Behind that, slightly elevated three seats. Behind that, slightly elevated three seats, nine people. Now, normally nine people don't go on these things, but that's how most of the conversions are done. You do get variations thereof. I know in Mala Mala, for example, now I'm speaking under correction here. I think it's two rows of three. Some have two rows of two, but it's kind of the same thing, right? It's behind the driver, there's, there's cinema-style seats where you all look in the same direction. Uh, some of the uh, facilities and some of the lodges have a roof on this vehicle. Others do not have a roof. So, for example, uh, Mala Mala and the Sabi Sands, most of them do not have roofs because it makes it easier to go off-road and to go through and underneath trees and such. The, the main vehicle then that you would find in East Africa, such as Kenya, is the pop-top land cruisers where the body as such is still intact. But the roof lifts up. Right, so it's a pop top, and then on the side you have different configurations of windows, and that's particularly what I'm going to speak about in a second. But there's, there's a couple of reasons for these modifications. So, in South Africa and in most Southern Africa reserves, you are not going to travel from one reserve to the next to the next in your game vehicle. So, for example, if you come with me to Medikwe, we do four days of safari there, we're not going to drive you in that open vehicle to Sabi Sands, and then we're not going to drive you to Cape Town and so on and so forth in that vehicle. The vehicles that we use in Southern Africa is lodge-bound. They stay there. 
Now, I remember where in the past when I was managing lodges, I had to do a couple of these conversions for the lodges, and I would drive that thing back from Johannesburg to the lodge, Madikwe Osabi Sands, right? Because the conversion happened, gee whiz, I think it's called Barker Brothers or something. Anyway, but um, it's like a little rabbit hole there. But I would then, to drive that thing legally on the road, those open vehicles, you had to have seat belts on every seat. You had to have these, these closed-up little door things that, that came in, all to get it road-worthy. Now, I'm sure those of you that have been on safari in southern Africa will know you don't have to really wear your seatbelt on a game drive, even though some guides drive like a fucking bat out of hell. Different story. But there's no, there's no seatbelts, and it's open to the sides. So that's the reason we use those in southern Africa. They're, ve- they're lodge-bound. They work out of one lodge. You don't travel the big roads with them. Now, jump to East Africa, Kenya, Tanzania. The difference there is the majority of these vehicles work in different reserves. So you would, for example, wrap up your Mara safari. You'll get to the gate. The guide will get out. He'll close the windows or put a different frame in or close the canvas, whatever it is. He'll drop the roof, clip it in, and then it's a closed vehicle with which you can drive on on the main highways and what have you to the next reserve. So if you're going to go Amboseli, Mara, Nakuru, for example, then you would use that same vehicle. So you would need to be able to close that thing up in order to move between different reserves. So that's the main difference between the two vehicle types that are used in Southern and East Africa. Now, you do get some lodges in East Africa, and let's talk Kenya specifically, specifically even more Masamara, like Governors and Angama. Those lodges have their own vehicles that live there. So they are Angama vehicles. They don't have to go anywhere. Same with governors. And those are the same modifications that they do in Southern Africa. So it's the open uh, open sides, three by three configuration. Most of the time, I have seen ver- variations thereof, three rows of two or whatever the case is, but more or less in that range, it's the same kind of thing. They do have the roof on. Um, if you haven't done it, just Google, for example, Game Viewer in South Africa, Madikwe, whatever, or Sabi Sabi, and you'll get an idea. The, the, the roof is like a canopy, canvas canopy, on four or six poles, depending on your modification. Right. So with all of that said, the reason we, obviously, in, in, in our Mara camp, the reason we have the vehicles that we do is because after our Mara season, because the Mara season running now, we've the camp is up until end of November. At that point, we close them up and they go back to Nairobi, right? At that stage, each of our guides who's responsible for their own vehicle, they can go on safari. Like, for example, I went with Ken, one of our guides, in February to the Mara, and he would drive there. If we went with him to Amboseli as well, we would be in the vehicle and go. So we can lock it up and go as far as windows and the roof goes. Okay, so what we've done, though, is we've modified our vehicles, and this has taken us about 12 years just to kind of fine-tune this based on what's possible uh, structurally and also practically from a guest experience point of view. So I'm just going to read a message that I received on, um, on Instagram just to kind of lead this in. So, hi, I recently discovered the Wild Amara Camps. I'm a lover of Africa and have been at least once a year over the last few years. When I look at the vehicle shown at the Mara camp, Wild Eye, I'm not thrilled. As a photographer, I love the open-sided vehicles, but yours have windows. I know you're a photographer too, so I find that perplexing. Any insight you can provide to convince me that these vehicles are not too restrictive? Now, I did answer this person. We've got a long conversation going where I explained everything. But the, the, <laughs> the first answer I had to that, well, the, the best way I can try and, in inverted commas, convince you is to go and look at all my guest images over the last 12 years and then speak to them with regards 
to the experience they had, not just game viewing, laughter, whatever, but also photographic. So here's my thing, right? The, the, the act of wildlife photography, let's be brutally honest, there are very few of you listening making money off your photography. There are very few of you listening who are putting food on the table and in your kids' mouths by your photography. It's a good experience. It should be an experiential fun thing. Right, so what we then did is we put 12 guests in our Mara camp and only three photographers per vehicle. Now, keep in mind, some lodges will have six uh, seats, sometimes seven, they keep the back three intact. So two, two, three, or two, two, two in these land cruisers right, which is already kind of tight. What they then have is they keep the original modification of three windows. So there's a window next to each row on either side. By default, the basic modification is windows that slide sideways. Now, I shit you not, you cannot get the front of a 428 out there, it is so small. Now, if that is the case, if that is the vehicle we're discussing, 100% yes, then I would also not be thrilled. But what we've done is we've taken that uh, three by two seat modification and we've changed it completely. There's two seats, one behind the driver, one behind the passenger seat, obviously higher up, and the windows next to those, so the doors that open up, they wind down all the way. Look at the, just look at the thumbnail of this particular podcast and you'll see the front. Engen, one of my clients, looking out at the leopard, way down. Then the middle row we have removed completely. There's nothing. There's, a, there's nothing except a huge amount of space. Then the back seats, we have two again. So if you sit in that back seat, even if you're very tall, it's like business class because you can stretch out. Now, what we've done for those back two, it's a huge open area we've taken both windows out structurally changed it so that there's the window that winds down where the door opens and closes but behind above the back wheel both sets of rows have one big ass open window area the frame literally comes out and we've got canvas in there we can put the frame back and the windows as such the the sliding windows can go back but we don't do that because it's a photographic experience now with three people in that vehicle and here's the catch, the ability to stand up and move around. You have way more photographic freedom than when you were sitting on a, a vehicle which might be open on the sides all the way. There's no windows, there's poles, like two on the side. But to try and navigate a 400 mil lens while seated, when you cannot really stand up, right? Where you can't lay down, you can't hunch down, you're sitting, right? The freedom of our vehicles is amazing, right? The, you can get lower angles, you can get easier angles, you can change your camera gear easier because there's a huge amount of space in the middle. You could put four camera bags on the floor and there's still space, right? So the idea that you, you look at a vehicle and think that's not good for photography if you haven't tried it, not ideal. I know for a fact that in Southern Africa, it can sometimes be difficult. For example, you all sitting on the left-hand side, which is what we do if we work in those areas. We put our guests down the left-hand side. So the guide will always park with all the guests facing the animal. Leopard now walks around to the other side. You can't maneuver. Now, if you have someone next to you, hey, sorry for you, you're not shooting that, or you need to now shuffle along with your 428, get your other camera out the way, move to the other side. You can't really stand up and walk around versus just shooting on the one side, standing up, looking for a spot on the side where he's gonna go, hunch down, sit on the seat, shoot from the top. The photographic freedom on our vehicles 
is amazing. Now, I see a lot of lodges, and, and haven't done this for a while since COVID actually, that went very gimmicky with their vehicles. There's a low door that opens and you can stick your lens out there and there's built-in gimbals and what have you. Honestly, for me, I think that's overkill. I think the more gimmicks you try, the more you get away from just being a photographer. Just thinking of how to compose, thinking of how can I shoot this differently. You're relying so heavily on the gimbal that you're not thinking of anything else. There is a time and a place for those, 100%. Like, even on the Chobi, on the boats, where you have the gimbals for each person, I still end up on the floor with my clients, where we're shooting the lowest angle we can, and you can move around. You're not stuck to that particular arc of movement that these gimbals offer you. That's a different discussion. I think I have actually spoken about that on the podcast in the past. Gimmicks, the cameras, the gimbals, all those kind of things. But what our vehicles offer from a space point of view and a photographic maneuverability point of view, to me, beats the hell out of a 3x3 open viewer where you're sitting kind of classroom style, all looking in the same direction. You cannot stand up. And that, for me even, right, just from an experience point of view, for those of you that have been to the Mara, we sometimes spend a long time waiting for river crossings. We sometimes spend a long time waiting for lions to wake up or to hunt. Right? Sometimes you want to stretch your legs, you want to hunch down, you want to stand up, stretch your legs a bit, look over the top, kind of have a, have a beer or a Coke Zero or whatever your, your thing is, and just stand up, stretch the legs, and then move around again. So to me, the idea of thinking, oh, because there's frames, window frames, and look at the picture of the thumbnail, please look at it, or go and look at our Wild Amara camp uh, on the website. There's a lot of space here. You can shoot lower than you can on average, then some of those three by three open vehicle configurations, right? That said, let's speak the other side of it. If I were to go to South Africa and I take one of my Kenya vehicles there, they would be pretty fucking pointless because I can't off-road with those monsters. It's going to bash into everything. So to me, horses for courses, you need to understand why the guys in Southern Africa use those vehicles and why in Kenya we use those vehicles. So we had to play within the constraints of the game, but I think, and well, I don't think, I know that our vehicles are very photographic friendly. We have bean bags and stuff which you can move around. Instead of having a gimbal fixed to the one side, if the leopard walks to the other side, now you've got to unclip, you've got to move, you've got to ask the guy to move around. Leopard's gone already. So I just think that we keep it basic. We keep it simple. We give you space. We give you maneuverability, we give you comfort, we give you experience because you've got one of my amazing guides or um, photographers with you as well. And you can move around and shoot as you wish, as you wish. Think about it, lion comes walking at you a distance, you hunch down, you shoot just above the wheel arch, nice and low. That animal comes closer, there's a beautiful backdrop. What do you do? You stand up, you take your wide angle, you shoot from the top because your wide angle from the top with more context creates a better image, rather than sitting still, not being able to stand up and move around. You know what I mean? So again, I'm just gonna, the, the one thing that we wanna send people home with after a trip is three things. Number one, and first of all, a great experience. I'm gonna say this again. If you hedge the success of your safari on the images you get, you are failing before you even start. Experience first. Yes, photographic experience, but overall experience, the laughter. It's the moments inside the, the shutter speed, in between those that matter, right? So anyway, I digress. The things you wanna look for. Number one, 
a good experience, a great experience. Number two, to learn something. Now, that learning could be anything. It could be photographic, which we obviously do. We pride ourselves on that. It could be guiding, which we're all very qualified to do. Or we can just talk about AI or about new cars, whatever it is. But that learning, that sharing idea is the second goal. Number three is images. So I think anybody that goes on a trip and they're judging the vehicle before they even experience what it really is about and what that offers in terms of photographic experience, the enjoyment of the craft, I think just look at what your expectations are. Again, I could not imagine for myself shooting out of one of our Kenya vehicles in Mala Mala. Not going to work. But in the same breath, if I'm going to go out and we do minimum of eight-hour game drives every single day in the Mara, minimum, right? The ability to stand up, stretch your legs, move around, have space for all your gear without having to worry which side of the vehicle things are because you're bound to your seat, it's a no-brainer. It really is a no-brainer. Anyway, just some thoughts. If you have any questions, comments, please let me know. Uh, again, jerry at wildeye.com. Otherwise, Jerry Van Vault on all the social media platforms. And again, if you have any topics you want us to dig into, if you want to be on the podcast and have a conversation, let's get in touch. See if it's something that the people might enjoy. Anyway, guys, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for lending me your ears. Um, I will chat to you in the next episode. My name is Jerry. I'm from Wild Eye. Have a good one. Bye for now.